In today's episode, we interview Lance and Gwen Sweeten. Yes, Lance and his transgender daughter are on the show. Yeah, we had met Lance at, uh, was it Utah Pride? Probably. Or some event in Utah. Some meet and greet, yep. Yeah, known those Sweetens a really long time, actually, at this point. We're really excited to have them on today. What are we talking about, Shelley? Well, we are talking about House Bill 302 and House Bill 92 in Utah, which are anti-trans. I know. Yeah. It's a good discussion. Yes. We're having the protective father and the trans daughter get into it. Well, let's do that right after the break. All righty. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. And Shelly, we have not just one, but two special guests today. Yes, we do. I can't even tell you how excited I am. Do you want to introduce them? I do. So way back a long, long time ago, we made a friend who listens to the podcast. This is going back to like the beginning. Early days. Early early days. <laughs> um, and since then, we have met personally. More than once. Yep. This person also was huge, huge in helping me get my parents' shit out of their house. Oh. Like, he showed up with a truck, a trailer, stayed late, came early, hauled stuff, like, could not done it without Lance Sweeten. Welcome, right. Lance. Woo! Thanks for joining us. Yeah. And who else do we have today? We also Shelley? have Lance's daughter, Gwen. And nice. she's just going to be telling us shit. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> she's going to be telling, telling us, us shit. some shit. All right. Uh, Gwen, I hope you're over 18 because we have potty mouths. It's true. Uh, no worries. Definitely over 18. I, I wish I could say <laughs> I, I was a kid still, but unfortunately, I just turned 25. So. I just had a quarter life crisis. Oh, you're, oh, you're, you're old. Good. Your life is mostly over at this point. It's like, <laughs> it's all downhill. I'm hitting 50, so she's just a baby. Oh, wow. True, true. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to say life gets better for both of you. Yep. All the good stuff is ahead. Don't listen to me with my life's all going downhill into a big shit pile. That's not true. Wow. Shelly, <laughs> dark turn already. For how many minutes into no. this episode? <laughs> uh, four, maybe? I don't know. Um, should we introduce sort of why we have all gathered here today? Yes, we have gathered. We have gathered here today. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm on one. Um, recently... Uh, House Bill 302 was stalled there in Utah, which 
would have banned trans girls from high school sports. And a while ago, and Lance has more dates and crap for this probably, there was Hospital 92, which was wanting to block any kind of uh, hormone treatment or surgery for trans youth. Lance, welcome. Gwen, welcome. Lance, what in the world are you all about? Oh, that's an open question. That's uh, <laughs> This is a one-hour podcast. Okay. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's going to be enough time. Um, actually, we are all about just protecting trans rights and those in the transgender community as those also in all of the, the LBGTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And we advocate for, for all. And we just try to do our little part where we can in our little neck of the woods that uh, to make it a better place and educate and support. I love it. You were raised Mormon. Is that right? Correct. I was born in the covenant. How do you go from Mormon raising the covenant to being outspoken for trans rights? That's a big, big gap. Well, you have to have a life altering experience and uh, you have to be humbled and taught by your children Ah. in order to do that. Right. So Gwen, at some point you came out as trans. When was that? And also I'm wondering, was your family still Mormon at that time? Yeah, actually now it's been a little over a decade since I first came out to them. Um, I was I think about 15, 16 years old. At the time, our family was Mormon and it, it honestly was kind of rough at the time, especially. They were still pretty, uh, very faithful and it, it, it did kind of rock their world at the time. Maybe we had a little bit of a trial run uh, a couple years ahead where I had kind of butted heads with wanting to leave the church myself because of kind of my own internal conflicts with trying to rationalize my own identity that I was starting to understand then uh, with just the church not really having a place for you. Yeah. Even though initially a couple of years uh, before that, I was probably around like 12 or 13, telling them that I didn't believe in the church and I, I wanted to, to not be a Mormon. Um, that was a little bit uh, a little bit tougher. There was a little bit of a, of a more intense reaction there. I think also working through that, going through the process of coming to terms with that as a family eventually led to, you know, a place where when I did come out, even though it wasn't perfect and it still led to a bit of conflict, I think they were a little bit more ready for that. That's the question I wanted to ask is which is more difficult coming out as trans or maybe sexually different somehow or coming out as ex-Mormon? Yeah, let me answer that really quickly. Not that I know all all of those all the different ways to come all out. The different ways to come out. I, I know leave the church, and I know lesbian, um, and I know anti Mormon. As a super Mormon TBM Mormon 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 mom that I was once upon a time, the worst thing any of my kids could say was, "I don't believe it. I'm leaving the church." Correct. Heartbreaking. Thankfully, none of my did. We got out before I had to um, go through any of that. Go through any of that. But yeah, how, what do you say to that, Lance? Um, I would say that's correct. Um, we, we look back on it now and it's really interesting when you kind of see hindsight. The most difficult thing that we've experienced is our faith crisis and our transition out of the church has actually far surpassed anything else we've experienced mm. because that was so ingrained into us for so many years of our life mm-hmm. and dictated everything that we did in our life. That's because it's a fucking cult. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that out there. When Gwen 
finally opened up to us. It was more like Tiffany, mom dragged it out of her. It, you could have knocked us over with a feather. We, if Gwen would have said she was gay, it's like, okay, we could go that way and figure things out. But transgender, it was just something that we just hadn't ever even thought of. It's kind of hard to imagine, to answer your question from before, what would be harder coming out as ex-Mormon or coming out as trans? You know, of course, every family is going to have its different biases, so it might be harder for one or the other. But I, I feel like generally, now that trans people are a little bit more uh, seen and a little more visible, it might not be quite as awkward. But like you said, because it is a cult, when you have your child come out to you as wanting to leave the church, it seemed a lot more, uh, and I, looking back and I, I feel so bad for them because they were really grappling with the idea of losing me like eternally. Oh yeah. Through not getting to be part of the, uh, the family circle and losing the opportunity to become the best that I can and to save my soul. But you know, a couple years down the road when I'm coming out as trans, I feel like, and it kind of shows how, how caring they are and how much the church can kind of manipulate that where they were mostly just scared of other people and how my interactions with, you know, my peers in school and life would go if I did come out as trans. Do you mind uh, telling us, Gwen, your story of, of realizing you were trans, how old you were and the thoughts? And I'd like to compare it with how you're dealing with the church's teachings as you're thinking um, trans. It's, it's hard to say. I feel like for everyone as a kid, their experience and understanding of gender, you know, varies a lot. Some kids are just at three years old in a dress and know exactly what they are for cis and for trans kids. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of interests that were kind of in the middle. A lot of times when I kind of go back and look at what I was interested in as a little kid, but it wasn't really until maybe eight or 10 years old that I really started to feel like how my body was changing and how I was, I guess, perceived by other people didn't really feel correct. Mm. Of course, at the time, I didn't really understand that very well. Um, and I didn't really have anything to turn to. At the time, uh, my family was really concerned about any sort of inappropriate content on the internet, which I think it is pretty good as a parent to keep an eye on what your kids are doing online. Sure. But they had set up a, a pretty religious oriented uh, web filter on anything at our house. So, <laughs> Oh, Lance. When I would try and look into those in <laughs> issues, <laughs> when I tried, you know, to search for gender, you know, feeling like a girl, uh, gay, LGBT, and a lot of, uh, at that time, I really did just kind of feel like I was gay looking into those things, I would just be blocked uh, with a big red, you know, blocked site, <laughs> LGBTQ slash pornographic content. <laughs> Jesus, Lance. <laughs> kind of concerning, but that's kind of what that company and what web filters like that kind of think of people like us and about those kind of things. So it, it kind of led to a lot of confusion over the next few years. Mm. It wasn't until I was 14 that I had already started to kind of present online. If I had make an account somewhere, I might make it as a girl just to see how that felt and to try and, I guess, experiment. At around 14, I would say I had at least been able to understand what my feelings were and that I was this thing, transgender, that I had learned a little bit about. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to come out to my cousin. In a lot of ways, she kind of grew up 
I like my older sister figure. There was a lot of times because of her family situation that, you know, she was with our family a lot. Mm -hmm. That was pretty big for me. I, I feel like yeah, getting to come out to my cousin made made it a lot easier, even though I knew I wouldn't necessarily be able to present and I wouldn't really be able to get away with coming out as trans to most people in my life, like my family and like everyone else that I uh, was still going to church uh, at the time. So it would have been especially awkward then. Growing up, I feel like because of my personality and also a little bit just because of where I was born in the year, um, I always happened to end up being like the uh, the deacon's quorum president or the teacher's quorum president. <laughs> Shit. In a lot of ways, I feel like when you're just the oldest out of your neighborhood, they're kind of going to put that on you. Yeah. But at the time, I kind of felt like I am supposed to be in this position and I'm receiving all of these different blessings. And Well, they tell you that. Yeah, they tell you that your bishop has keys that have been bestowed all the way from God and now you're being given them to administer and lead these group of kids. Mm -hmm. And it felt so nothing. It felt, if anything, the better I did, it almost felt less authentic. And the more I started to question the church as a whole, but also all of the kind of expectations living in Utah and just Mm -hmm. everything that's normalized around here, you see like how much better young men's is compared to to young women's and how they have a lot better activities. You end up participating in scouts, which I was very grateful that I did get to participate in scouts. I did everything, got so many merit badges. I even got my eagle. <laughs> Woohoo! Gwen, come on. Don't you want to sew a bonnet in preparation for Trek? Come on. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I was really lucky with the scouting, with the leadership that I did have and that there was in our ward, even though it wasn't perfect. And a lot of people do subscribe to a lot of really problematic beliefs in the church. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that do kind of believe in empowering young women. And I did see a lot of other young women in our ward that did make it a point to participate in scouting and and events and did push for more co-ed activities. That would not have gone down in my ward. No way. I mean, I'm I'm a bit older than you and my, my dad is super, super traditional and he was always the bishop or in the stake presidency. So it was like, nope. How would Mm-mm. it look if you were interested in scouts, yeah. Shelly? <laughs> I remember um, we were told at girls camp that we needed to dress modestly mm. in case, you know, because there would be a bishop up there. They always had to have a priesthood holder up there. Of course. And so we had to make sure we dressed modestly because there was a man there like, what the hell? And that just, again, that shows... The difference, because I would say in scouting, you know, they don't tell, I don't think they tell the boys to dress modestly because, you know, one of the cooks is a woman where she'll be giving you your food. They probably don't say anything about it. I spent over 18 years as an adult uh, scout leader Mm -hmm. locally in the ward, in the district, and also for the council. And I can guarantee you that's never said. But, hey, you know, you needed to make sure that that 13-year-old was dressing modestly so it didn't turn on that uh, 55-year-old bishop. Yeah, disgusting. And, by the way, the girls... 
Uh, we never had a pool where we camped, but I know that girls who go to a camp that has a pool, they are told to wear shirts over the swimsuits for that reason. Oh my gosh! But have they ever showed the tell, told the boys? Yeah, the boys to cover have to wear their a skin. Like, no. Nope. There's um the the 56 year old lady back there flipping pancakes, and you're walking around with your shirt off. You know, she's probably gonna touch herself <laughs> and then not be temple worthy, right? Yep. <laughs> Let's reverse that shit. Right, <laughs> Gwen. So if I'm understanding correctly. You came out to your cousin first and you thought, at least I have my cousin to come out to because I can never be who I am in church and in front of my parents, et cetera. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, it it was really nice to have her. And at the time, especially because I was always like a quorums leader, I was expected to kind of be that masculine role model for the youth in our ward. And it never really quite set right. And being able to at least have her and some other friends that I could experiment and kind of be a little more authentic with at that time was really constructive for me, I think. How long after your coming out to your cousin did you feel safe enough to come out to your family? From when I came out to my cousin, it was about two years uh, before I came out to my parents. At the time, I do feel like I was comfortable enough to tell them, but it was right after a series of rough nights. I'd been struggling a lot with school, really getting at it with my parents. We were just constantly fighting. And eventually the conversation came up that uh, my mom was just asking me, something is wrong. There's something wrong with you. And you're not telling me, you got to tell me. At the time, I didn't really feel great about it. I think it was probably a really good time to come out. I think, I mean, in hindsight, we were all ready for it then. So yeah, (laughs) or at least we were needing it then. So before we get back into the other subject about what's going on in Utah, do you have any advice, Gwen, for young people who are facing this very situation? Like, what would you tell someone who knows they are not their gender assigned at birth, but not sure what to do about it? The most important thing is to focus on giving yourself the space and uh, time to experiment and to discover yourself, especially if you are so young and still have a lot to learn about it. You're going to need to talk to different people that are accepting and understanding of you. And nowadays, of course, it's a lot easier uh, than ever to find somebody who, whether or not there's someone in your life, there are people out there with Utah pride, especially when I was a kid, I Uh, after coming out to my parents, was able to visit a youth group that was uh, run through Utah Pride. And even though they weren't able to, you know, give me everything I need and cure all the problems with my family and solve all my problems, it was really important to get to see other trans people and to talk to other people about that. When you're at home and you have all these expectations, especially when you are in a religious family, it, it, it can be hard to talk about those things, especially if they are scary uh, to everybody uh, in your family. I have to share with you about that when she said about the Utah Pride. Um, she came to me and asked me if she could go to the Pride Center. And I was like, okay, and I'd heard a little bit about it, but I didn't know much. And and uh, I thought about it and I wasn't uh, objecting to it at all, but I did ask her, I said, well, then I would like to take you and I'd like to go because I'd like to go know what this is. And I'd go like to see where my minor child is. I'm taking you and I'd like to go. And 
I have to say that was the best thing ever because Gwen, she said, yes, she said, sure. So I took her down to the pride center. We went in and she went into the trans group that was run by a trans woman that um, was running the support group. I was just standing outside in the waiting room area. And so I asked one of the workers that was there, asked if I could talk. And they said, sure. So I said, I just need to talk to somebody because this is so new and I don't understand it. And I go, I need to ask somebody hard questions. And they don't get offended if I say the wrong thing because I don't know what to say. And she said, let's sit down. She goes, you can ask me whatever you want. And for an hour, she answered all my questions. Let me ask anything I wanted to ask. It was very, very educational. It was, it was a turning point for me because before she left, she said to me, she said, do you know how rare you are? And I said, no. And she said, most parents, when they drop kids off at the Pride Center, they drop them off out on the street, on the curb and speed off. Oh, wow. She said, hardly any parent ever comes in with them. She said, let alone a dad. I think you're the only dad that I have ever had this conversation with ever. Yeah. So she said, in my book, you're one in a million. And I, that really struck with me, everything she said that, because I didn't think I was anything special. I'm just trying to figure out and protect my child. Mm -hmm. That kind of started our journey kind of along this. And, and at that point after that, I met the woman that was facilitating the trans group and at that point, I was like, absolutely, you can come here anytime you want. Love that. Getting to see, of course, other uh, trans youth go through what I'm going through was pretty validating, at least to know that I'm not the only one. Because up until getting to visit the Pride Center, I'd only seen other trans people online or maybe had a small conversation with some of them. But to know that you're not alone is very important. Also getting to see people like the coordinators there and people that are running the Pride Center and just anyone who's partaking in that. For the most part, they're, they're older than me, you know, uh, people that are like my age now and older who have come out already and have been living their lives and living them, their true selves and seeing that they're okay and that they're, if anything, that they're happy and that they're loving it can be really inspiring and it helped me really shift the narrative that felt like had taken over my identity and leaving the church uh, with my family, changing that from fear and despair and loss into something to work towards and something to aspire towards gave me a lot more hope instead of fear. Right. Lance, when that person at the center was saying you're one in a million, did it strike you kind of funny or I guess weird that other parents wouldn't be as invested in their child as you are invested in your child. And on top of that question, I want you to walk us through how it was the first moment Gwen told you that she was trans, because you're a Mormon Mormon, right? Yeah. Go for it. I really think when, when I was having that conversation with uh, her at the Pride Center, it struck me two ways. It broke my heart. My heart was like literally cracking because I thought, how can someone not love their child enough to do anything for them? Yeah. And it kind of broke my heart. In the same respect as it was all new and I wasn't, it wasn't all fairy farts and pixie dust. It was hard. It was not easy to understand and learn. 
Um, we did not do the right things. We did not say the right things. Um, I won't take any kind of credit for being this super parent. No, we weren't. Um, we were probably Gwen's biggest hurdle in her life at that point. But still, I was responsible for her, and I still needed to know what's going on. Right. It was difficult. But when Gwen came out, I wasn't actually even home. My, my wife's always had a special power, I guess, you know, she's always been able to have a good discernment of people. She can read somebody in like two seconds and she can know if somebody's lying to her instantly. Mm -hmm. She is the one who kept poking Gwen and just pushing. Like, I, I know there's something wrong. I know there's something wrong. You won't tell us, you won't tell us. And so it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of breakdowns. Gwen was having a lot of breakdowns at the time and we couldn't figure out what was going on. At the time, um, we were just being just a little bit after um, me saying that I was wanting to start walking away from leaving the church. Um, we had gone into some family counseling and I'd visited some counselors about, you know, depression and general anxiety and such. And um, I'd say, especially around that time, I had had a chance to come out to a therapist that I was seeing. And it, it's kind of sad that not even too long ago, if you go back just shy of a decade ago, uh, all the therapist could say was really that you're in a situation where it's not completely safe for trans people and you kind of need to focus on making it to being 18 and then you'll be able to at least uh, have this conversation with your parents and such. And I had really felt like at the time we were all focused on trying to improve my mental health and we're trying and putting a lot of effort into therapy and we weren't really getting anywhere. And I think that frustration was really kind of boiling over at that point. It was pretty rough. And then the night that uh, Gwen's mom was, you know, talking to her and, and just went down her room and she just said, I'm not leaving until you tell me. And you know, teenagers, mm -hmm. well, Gwen decided to almost make it a game to where it's like, well, guess. <laughs> well, I just wasn't going to tell her until she just, yeah, she wasn't going to just openly say, so she made her mom go through and guess until she figured out what it was. And then my, my wife still didn't understand exactly what it was. Once she got like 10 or 12 down the list and actually was guessing trans, like I figured I might as well just say it. Right. Yeah, it was kind of torture. But my wife, Tiffany, she called me and it just explained it to me. And she was crying and she just didn't understand. And I didn't either. But my wife is 99.99999% right all the time. <laughs> I'm not saying that sarcastically, I'm actually saying that for the truth. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for my wife, I would either be dead or in prison. So I trusted her instinct. I trusted her heart. I trusted her with conversations she'd had with Gwen. So I had no reason whatsoever to second guess my wife. Yeah. So Shelly, this sounds like a good time for a break. I agree. We'll be right back. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. 
Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. And we're back. So tell us then, how did this, and then, then we'll move on to the uh, Utah legislation. How did Gwen coming out make a difference in your activity in the church? At first, it didn't. Mm-hmm. Gwen was still not out publicly to everybody and was still participating in scouting, and I was a leader and, and things like that. And so we just kind of went along. We did agree that it was okay for her not to go to church and didn't push that anymore. But we just kind of still kept doing our thing. We're still a very, uh, very goody two-shoes Mormon Molly Momo family. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Wanted to hold that up still. And we didn't, we didn't change really anything of that. We more were dealing with it all internally mm-hmm. because we knew, as well as Gwen did now, there was nowhere to turn. Yeah. Nowhere. Plus, I I think an issue when you are going through something like that, there's this culture of wanting to keep this image of perfection up. You you don't want everyone else in the ward to know that you're not this perfect Mormon family. And I almost feel like there is a culture of not talking about your issues and, and basically... Yeah, always living with the facade. Absolutely. You're you're not almost sure. Like, that's how it is. You don't talk about your problems. You are the perfect family. And coming out as as transgender, there's no place for you in the church. You, you know, it's not like you're gay and they can just kind of say, well, just don't act on it and you can still come to church. There's no place for you. None in the church. Correct. Yeah. And and I, I want to make it clear because I don't know who will ever hear this too is mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not completely out to church bash and I sure I have my feelings I have my reservations but I've got to the point where I'm just dang sick and tired of not being able to just speak my mind and be honest yeah and that's something I love about the LBG community is they're speaking their truth and one thing that I've learned through this experience is is I'm finally able to speak my truth and my truth is I'm going to be honest with what happened to our family and what happened, whether it hurts somebody or not, because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to hide it. And we didn't know what to do. And we did what every good Latter-day Saint supposed to do is go to your priesthood leaders. So my wife and I, we went to the temple and we prayed, what do we do with this kid and how we should handle it? And we left the temple and we called our bishop and we asked if we could come and talk to him. And he said, yeah, and he was home. and we poured our entire guts and soul out to our bishop. Wow. I didn't expect a fix or an answer. What I expected was, oh my gosh, I don't have any idea what you're going through, but I love you and I care for you. And I'm going to talk to the state president. I'm going to see what help we can get you. I don't know what to do, but I want to help you. That's what I was expecting. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. What I got was a bishop who then never spoke to us ever again for the next three years of his bishopric. Oh, shit. And would hide and duck into an empty room just to stay away from us. And it's been now 10, 11 years, and he has never once said a word to me and only lives three blocks from my house. Wow. Never once has talked to me. Somehow he's the victim of you and he needs to avoid you. Yeah. So 
that's that's where things started to kind of break. Yeah. And we had nobody. So I decided to go to the state president and the state president actually worked in healthcare. So I thought, okay, this is somebody who maybe can help me. Uh, he's never spoke to me ever again. What is wrong with these people? Well, they have no answers. They have no training. They have no idea how to handle it. So they're handling it as avoidance. <laughs> oh, well, they could at least still love you. It was kind of weird as a kid when I was trying to understand being trans and how that would relate to the church. It was kind of uh, just off the heels of Proposition 8 and the church's very yeah. <laughs> adamant position on that. Yeah. It was really confusing because of how how adamant the church was against uh, gay people and gay marriage, yet was completely oblivious to like the concept of trans people at any time I would ask a Mormon person that was either like some sort of, you know, member of the priesthood or some church leader, just have no answer. They would basically just run and hide yeah. <laughs> and act like it doesn't even exist, which it's so mature. Yeah. <laughs> and loving. So Christ-like, by the way. Like, Christ, like, for sure, christ Do you remember that time when people were asking questions of Jesus? <laughs> and, he and he just high-tailed like, it. Yeah, he just <laughs> He's ran like, away I can't and hid. that. <laughs> Wait, that never happened. Doesn't make yeah. me feel any, you know, more scared or confused as a kid when an adult just runs away from you, basically. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeez. But I want to, I also want to make sure that to know is there are so many kind and wonderful people that are actually in our ward that have been nice and, and that understand. Um, it, it was very difficult because we, we transitioned through that kind of phase and then we just kept doing our thing. We just kept putting our shoulder to the wheel, pushing along, trying to stay sane as a family mm-hmm. and keep our dirty laundry out of everybody else's business because that's the way it was viewed at is, is just it's something wrong. And we just did our thing and... We were able to have um, a new bishopric come in, new state presidency come in. One thing that was kind of helpful is the new bishop was actually Gwen's previous scout leader. So there was a connection that we'd had and I was in there with him. So it it was a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. being able to communicate. We just kind of kept going. Gwen graduated from high school, moved out, went up to college for a little while didn't quite work out the best way. So I have to say her and her boyfriend at the time, Trevor, but now it's Trevor, my son-in-law, her husband, they decided to move back and we're, we're apartment managers Mm -hmm. and we put them in our apartment complex and stuff. And so it was for us, it was good to get her back to where, okay, we can kind of start building our relationship again. Cause we didn't know that she had full intentions of when she hit 18, she was leaving the house and never coming back ever. Mm. Yeah. We'd had a conversation, I think mostly with my mom, but I think a few times of talking about it, kind of mentioned like, I I am going to want to start transitioning and I will want to get on hormones. And initially they were very opposed to that. Yeah. Kind of got to the point where like, if I have to leave the house to be able to get on the medicine I need, then I'm going to do that. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of getting on medications and all, you know, characteristic altering procedures and things. That leads us right into HB 92. Correct. Should we talk about that? I know, Lance, that you are very familiar since this is one of those things. Um, I read up on it and I probably shouldn't have had to. I probably should have just known, but you know, uh, I'm not in Utah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll just that, that's my excuse. I'm not in Utah. But we I? have Utah informants that keep us updated. That's true. I wouldn't know about it at all had we not had the informants. <laughs> so basically, HB 92 is saying that a an underage person, so under 18, the parents cannot allow them. No doctor can prescribe for them. Hormones, yeah. hormones at all. Any hormones at all. Right. This bill was introduced and it was proposed and sponsored by um, a Republican representative, uh, Rex Ship, out of Cedar City, Utah. And what we find is very interesting is he's put forth this, proposed this bill, but yet he had openly admitted he'd never, ever met someone who was transgender. That seems to be the problem with a lot of this shit. It's easy to legislate against people that you don't know. Right. Absolutely. And I have to say, I'm not this big activist. I support things. Lance is a safe space. That's how I view Lance, a safe space to those who are on the fringes and have no one. Shelly, you're absolutely right. In the last few years, that is all I ever want to do is become that safe space. It's become more apparent to me that that's the most important role that I can provide. Mm -hmm. I don't know these bills inside and out like other people. I don't. I will go and support and I'll stand up and I'll share my voice and I'll share my experiences. Yeah, you're correct. Thank you. That's actually was perfect description of the way I feel. With the HB 92, which was set up to effectively stop any kind of medical procedures or medical treatment is just so vile because it is such a critical time for someone who is transitioning or needs to transition. As a parent, Gwen coming out at 15 to us, you know, puberty's already taken a great hold and already working its course. And so my biggest regret and sorrow is that we were not an open enough family for Gwen to feel safe to communicate to us at a younger age. Yeah where we could have helped her hold off uh, puberty and and get her the proper medical you know treatment that she deserved. Right. Mm. That is huge. Yeah. Uh, I was reading in an article, and people who were pro this bill basically gathered up some ex-trans people, I guess, if you want to call it that, who had some things done and then changed their mind and said they were they were actually not trans. They were just confused. And here's my problem with that. You want to point out those handful of of people, if that's what it is, I don't know. But as a whole, as the vast majority, the trans population doesn't flip-flop back and forth. That's not how it works. Uh, Do you want to speak on that a little bit, Gwen? That's definitely something that they're always going to try and find. You know, they're going to find someone who's detransitioned and will use that as as like a uh, scapegoat, of course, or or at least as an example. But like you said, um, the detransition rate is really low. They are usually desperate to find people that are to, to even make an example. I'm not for certain, but I think some of the people that they brought in were even from out of state because they were so desperate to even find anyone. <laughs> right. And I don't want to, you know, act like there aren't people that will be confused about their gender identity and maybe will initially think that they identify as something that they might not. And there needs to be a a space for that experimentation and to try and focus on outlawing it altogether kind of sends a message that you're you're not supposed to be doing anything like that, that those developmental years aren't supposed to be spent thinking about your identity or your gender and resolving that. Yeah. Uh, this bill doesn't acknowledge or at least doesn't take into account actual 
medical opinion. Like if, if you are trans and you are young, it, it's the most important thing to speak to a doctor to see what your transition goals might be and to see what is safe for your age. Yeah. If you are outlying these uh, these kind of practices, you're only going to go back to what trans people have done for decades beforehand and have just gone through unsafe hormone therapy themselves. Right. If you're actually able to have these conversations, these honest conversations about hormones, about your identity and about yourself with someone at that age, you can actually find the the best path for you. I think a lot of people are afraid that they might just be going to some doctor that is desperate to put their kid on hormones and to convince them that they are trans. But in reality, what you're getting at a gender clinic or a transgender focused doctor is someone that wants to get you to your own goals to help you understand yourself. My doctor that I've gone to for years, uh, she's amazing and she likes to practice uh, informed consent. And that's what a lot of uh, doctors do is uh, explaining what the effects of these blockers or hormones or all of the different ways that you can transition, what the different effects of those are, what you can expect to kind of guide you through that. A lot of the proponents of bills like this, you know, it's very fear-based. The fear that a mom will have a daughter who one day says, I think I'm a boy at like age three, and they go in and give them all these surgeries. Like, that's not how it works. No. And I think of it this way as well, and then we'll move on to the next bill. Someone who uh, is a proponent of the bill, as I'm reading this on the Salt Lake Tribune, says the bill is about protecting children. You're not protecting the children who are trans that need to have someone to talk to. And by the way, within the trans community, the uh, attempt to die by suicide is such so much higher than in any other population. And you're not protecting the children if you're not allowing them with a doctor and their parent to get the help they need. Correct. And that, for me, goes right into the bill HB 302, which basically is a ban um, on trans girls from participating in high school sports. And one of the things that I read was this lady was all up in arms because uh, she wants to save sports from the trans girls. It's like, we take sports seriously, blah, blah, blah. It's going to change everything. What is interesting that you explained how you said it's fear-based is, it, honestly, that is exactly what it is. Because if you if you look back at everything that say your parents were taught and the way they grew up, the way we were taught or we were raised, there is so much of that is just, is just the fear of the unknown. And then if you didn't, you didn't speak about it, you don't talk about it. And what's interesting about like these 92 HB 92 here in Utah, and it's, and it's similar bills all over the country is they're, they're trying to tell a parent or a doctor, you don't have the right or it's criminal to, to do anything to help this child in the name of potentially maybe kind of sort of protecting somebody else. Right, right. And you're not protecting the person who's actually experiencing the dysphoria or something. You're, you're trying to protect somebody that possibly maybe kind of down the road might be influenced by it. It's like, that's so wrong. It is. But what I find is very interesting is they want to have, and the, and the, and the sides that, that push towards this, these are the same people that don't want you in their business, <laughs> right? the government in their business, 
but they have no problem violating my child's HIPAA law rights mm-hmm. and talking about their genitalia. And what people don't understand is there is a difference between sex, sexuality, gender. And these these are different. They're not all the same. And when they say follow the science, well, I can give you a list of almost every single medical institution in the United States and some around the world that all agree to that. They know the science. Right. But what I find also really interesting is that from the religious aspect is the religious push of this of trying to stop my daughter or somebody else from transitioning because it goes against God. But yet they have no problem taking a young male at birth and cutting a piece of their physical anatomy off for circumcision. Right. Isn't that mutilation? Right. Yeah. No. But they do it in the name of God or the name of their religion. Mm-hmm. Well, how is that any more okay? You can't glue that thing back on. <laughs> you really it's just can't. not the no. way it works. <laughs> and it's an infant. Even though it's not quite as physical, like even a few years down the road, they expect an eight-year-old to make a lifetime commitment to save their soul. Yeah. Uh, and you're responsible enough by then. Yeah. Apparently. You're responsible then to basically give your entire life to a corporation, like your entire life, you know? Correct. <laughs> right. uh, let's take another quick break. And Pay then more bills. We'll wrap this up. We're back. One thing I'm thinking about as we're talking about this transports issue, I used to be on the side of, well, that's not fair to girl sports. Like if you're if you're born a boy, then you're a boy. You shouldn't get to play on girl sports. But also back then, I didn't know any trans people. I didn't understand it. It was just this knee-jerk reaction of, no, that's not fair. And this is something in this article is this lady saying, that's it's just not fair. It's not fair. And I think about what is more important, fairness in your mind in high school sports, for crying out loud, and the life of a human being. You want to talk fair for the sports team. Well, what about fair for this human who needs a place to fit in, who is struggling, doing the Jesus whole, like, go back and get the lost sheep. They're like, fuck that. We want the majority to feel comfortable. Exactly. That used to be the way with LGBTQ population. They didn't want a gay kid going to prom with their boyfriend or whatever it is. You know, they kind of move through these things and they don't want to feel uncomfortable. You know, uh, African-Americans and white people couldn't get married back in the day because that made the majority feel uncomfortable. And I'm sick and tired of the argument that the majority of people are uncomfortable with this. Fuck that. I I can understand, like, a lot of people that are very uncomfortable with that, and uh, they're they're kind of living with an image in their head that they've kind of just been fed by the media and by just, you know, transphobic nonsense over the years. They, They kind of imagine that these trans women and trans girls trying to get into sports are like from a sitcom in the 90s where it's just a big man in a dress <laughs> yeah. there for a gag with a beard <laughs> right. trying to compete against a bunch of little girls. It's like, that's not what trans women are. My fear when Gwen came out was, I hear transgender. I don't hear transgender. I hear transvestite. Right. That's the term we grew up on. And it was a scary underworld. Yeah. Exactly. That's the term that we grew up with. And that's the term that we were made to fear. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of people like that end up getting beat up or killed and stuff. And so instantly my fear was, oh my gosh, my my child's going to be murdered. 
And in in the respect of that and following that, that's not far off. Right. Because nationally, I mean, this varies state to state, but if you take the national as a whole, the national murder rate in the United States is one per every 125 to 150,000 people is the average murder rate. Mm-hmm. The average murder rate for trans women in the United States is one in 12. Oh, Jesus. The murder rate for trans women of color in the United States is one in four. Yeah. Oh. So when people talk to me about this, I always like to talk to them about that too. It's like, how many children do you have? You know, if you have six kids and you have one, well, you have a chance that you'll have a transgender kid and you have to choose or choose one of their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Which kid do you want to take that will lose their life? It's like. But Lance, we want girls' sports teams that are only girls. Isn't that, doesn't that seem so stupid when you put it in that regard? You do. But what's so interesting about this is we were, Gwen and I were discussing this this morning too. The problem doesn't lie with the the rules in the sports mm-hmm. yeah the problem lies with the government getting their dang nose in it where they shouldn't yes mm-hmm. if they want to try and make sports completely fair they are going to have a really hard time legislating that because there's people of different heights and different physical statures just based on your genetics like uh, Castor Semenya she was a track star and an amazing athlete and she was constantly being uh, subjected to tests and being kicked out of her leagues just because she had too much testosterone even though she's just a completely cis woman right when you're painting with such broad strokes as to legislate at the state level you're not really leaving the room for actually addressing a policy that is fair mm-hmm. and is proper, you're you're only going to have something that's a little bit too much one way or the other if you are going that way. Yeah. What's interesting, though, with, with this bill, the way they propose this, it's all one-sided if you really look nationally. The only bills that are ever brought up in any of the, any of the states are specifically only for banning transgender girls from playing in female sports activities. Mm. It's never, ever once will they ban a trans male competing because in their mind, they obviously, if it's a female to male transition, they automatically assume that this person physically inferior to the boys they will be competing with. Right. So they don't even question that, which is completely wrong. Yeah. When they were pushing forth this bill, uh, 302 in the state of Utah, there was not one person they could find in the state of Utah who was a trans female athlete actually competing on a high school level. <laughs> <laughs> but if they passed this and they would just come in droves for out sure, of the cellars. Sure. <laughs> there would be hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. And taking away championships. Oh, yeah. for sure. It would wreck the entire high school sports. They'd be in there and they'd be six foot nine and, and built like Shaq. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And you, you think about it, they, they look at this and they're, and they're doing this from this base of fear because in the reality of it right now, high school sports already have their own rules regarding testosterone and estrogen and, and hormones. Yeah. NCAA already has their complete setup. The IOC, the Olympic Committee, has all of the rules and regulations that regulate their thing. The state of Utah you can look up has in their state of Utah high school manual, 
They're it, the Athletics it, Association the athletics, Manual. Yeah, the Athletics Association Manual for the state of Utah, which governs all of the high school sports, is about as fair as a policy as you would ever find anywhere, and it requires you to be either on blockers and on hormones for at least a year before you participate. It's not like they're just picking somebody off the football team and saying, here, put on a a different jersey and go play girls basketball. That's the fear talking. That's the fear talking. Well, what it is, is let the organizations that are already have policies in place and have been working just fine for decades, manage it. Don't let the politicians and sure. the people who have nothing else better to do but to cause problem for other people's kids get their nose in it. Yeah. Yes, there are exceptions to every rule because mm-hmm. you can find anybody that has a different doctor's opinion. You can find anybody who has uh, maybe detransitioned and, and didn't like and, and come out. You you can find whatever you want to find, but the majority, the vast majority, which is ninety. Five ninety-eight plus percent in the country. Mm-hmm. This is the reality of it. Yeah. So, bottom line is, legislators, butt the fuck out. <laughs> butt the fuck yes. out. Take your fear and misunderstanding elsewhere. You need the medical field that's behind it and the science behind it to push it. Not these people and not the religious people out of their religious beliefs. Absolutely. Could not agree more. But the good news is that these bills did not pass. Correct. I feel like Gandalf. You shall not pass. You shall not pass. <laughs> that that was uh, yes. lots of celebration. Right. Because uh, with Utah, you never know. Oh, yeah. It's like the weather here. It changes. Stick around 10 minutes. It changes. <laughs> exactly. The House Bill uh, 92 that was defeated like on February 19th, and they successfully defeated that. And what it was is the the House's Health and uh, Human Service Committee uh, didn't like it. They sent it back to the the rules phase, which it'll be locked until the next session. And and sure, it might come back up this next session. Somebody might sponsor it again, but it also might die for a while. Um, It's probably never going to completely go away. It was successfully defeated by the people that were supporting and just pushing everything they could for it. House Bill 302 on February 17th, which is, this was sad, is on the 17th of February this year, it, it passed the Utah House floor. It actually passed and it was moved on to the Senate, which was it was scary. Yeah, for sure. And so it, that was really scary that it made it out of the House. And so people were worried. But on the 24th of February, the Senate um, Health and Human uh, Services Committee also, they decided to rule and return House Bill 302 back to the rules committee to the committee effectively you know canceling it a few of us had opportunity to, to go have breakfast uh, a few weeks ago with the republican house and senate with the equality utah and we had the opportunity to to see the governor but we had the opportunity to speak with the the house and senate majority leaders and personally and we had a really good talk with uh, lieutenant governor henderson i tell you for the state of utah she is just absolutely an amazing woman and she is so supportive and she has LBGTQ in her family and f- kids' friends. Well, that's why. Yeah, it makes a difference. It's going to be an uphill battle for him in the Senate and stuff. But Governor Cox came out and he got actually very emotional about these bills. And he explained that you just need to get to know them. You need to meet these transgender kids. You need to get to know them. You need to talk to them because they're just wonderful people. And so he came out 
publicly and was very, very adamantly about in a way of knock this off. Yeah. It was, it was very positive. It's great. So who knows where it's going to go in the future. They're both got squashed right now and they might be brought back up the next session and we'll be right there to go back and keep fighting it and everything we can, because we have every right to protect our children from the monsters that are coming after them. Absolutely. So for now, we break out the champagne or the Martinelli's, if you're Mormon. (laughs) 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 Oh, thank you both so much. We probably should wrap this up because we're running low on time. But thank you both so much for being here and speaking to us about this issue. We're going to keep checking in as as these things potentially get brought up again, or hopefully not. You can be our boots on the ground there in, in Utah legislation. How does yeah. that sound like? There you go. I can, <laughs> I can help you. But I will tell you this. If this proceeds and this comes back up again for another thing, I definitely think um, you, you should definitely reach out to Troy Williams from Equality Utah because I know he would gladly come on and talk to you about it. He's very good um, at supporting trans rights and trans protection, which is is just phenomenal. So, but thank you. Thank you both for for being our friends and being a part of our life. We adore the Sweeten family. We love you. We love your wife. And now we love Gwen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to meet you, Gwen. I know. So nice to meet you guys. Yeah, you too. Nice to talk to you. We can't wait for actually you guys to come back out and we can actually have a good pride. Yes. yes. One of these days, we're going to blow it up for sure. It's going to be amazing. Next time we can have a pride, it's going to be huge. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Oh, I was going to give another shout out for the Utah Pride Center. They were so organized uh, and, and kind when we had a booth set up at the yeah. Pride Festival there in Salt yeah. Lake City. They were so super helpful and super organized. Can't oh, yeah. say yeah. enough great things about that. We group. will be back as soon as the next Pride is Absolutely. in session. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, we got to make it a, a really good party. Oh, uh, yeah. Count us in. This has been so fun for me. It really has. I love uh, talking about things that I actually don't know a lot about. I learned so much. I wish... Uh, these closed-minded people would take an opportunity to learn about other people and their feelings and their thoughts and their lives. I think that's what solves so many issues. And I'm glad for now that HB 92 and 302 are going nowhere. Dead in the water. Dead in the water. Thank you. Yeah, they're dead for this session. And so we'll see if they get revisited and just keep pushing. But we we need this push all across the country because— Um, Over 20 states right now currently have anti-trans bills being pushed through through their legislature. Um, Alabama actually has just passed one that makes it um, crime for a doctor to prescribe anything under somebody that was a minor faceable with 12 years in prison and $15,000 in fines, loss of their medical license. But it also puts in a position of putting the parents in prison. Jesus. Gosh. We're lucky here in the state of Utah. We actually have really good people. And you think for as predominantly Mormon based as it was, you would be surprised how much fight there is. And it's almost that we have to fight twice as hard. But there are a lot of states out there that need help and support. So hopefully your listeners all around the country, get off the couch, get involved, get your voice heard. Stand up for LGBTQ rights and please, from a parent of a trans child, please stand up for my child and I will stand up for yours. We're in this together and please get involved in your respective community in your state and help squash this uh, bigotry and hatred. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. Well said. Amen to that. Lance and Gwen, once again, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Well, that was such a great conversation. Loved it. Love them both. Um, We are going to skip patrons this week. Patrons, don't be sad. The last time we did the patron list was so lame, the children's (laughs) books names, that we're we're taking a couple weeks to really just... Hone our craft. (laughs) Is it a craft that we have? I don't think we do. Butchering patron names? Yeah. Okay. We're going to work on that and Mm -hmm. try to do better. (laughs) I I don't know where we're going. Try not to suck as bad. How about that? Do (laughs) better. That's possible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see what you get next time. Uh huh. So that's going to do it for this week. I want to thank Dan from Extension Audio. Thanks for leaving it in, Dan. And remember, steer clear of those cults because they're no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.